Welcome back, everybody. Howdy, howdy, howdy. Rooted in Logos, episode number 54. My name is Brad. I am joined, as always, by the man, the myth, the legend, Austin. Let's go David Loop. Definitely not. No. You're getting You close. said biblical, so like I went I went that route. Uh, time period, close. Okay. All right. All right. Next week, I'll try again. All right. Uh, anyway, episode number 54, we're excited to be here. Uh, today is going to be a pretty fun one. We're going to discuss the topic of baptism. But first, we have a guest that kind of caught us off guard. He's not even a guest. We have someone that has caught us off guard by deciding to jump on this week. And uh, you will, you know him, you, you love him, you missed him. Carter, how you doing, buddy? I'm great. How are you guys? Hey. Oh, doing well. We missed you, that's for sure. Yeah. I'm pretty sure I know your middle name. Do I get a guess, or is it just like a Brad thing? Pretty sure you've told me. I can't remember. If, yeah, I think we've talked about it. I don't, I don't think you... No, no. See, my, Wait, you don't think I know or you no, don't No, I think, think you know it. Oh, so I don't get a guess. No. Okay. It, mine started with just saying absurd last names, and now I kind of want to figure it out. So <laughs> I think it started with Tiberius. Tiberius, yeah. Austin Tiberius Loop, which I think is a great name. My, and It might be my next son's middle name. <clears throat> Emily. Emily. I was gonna say I might steal it if I ever have kids, but you'll have like four like sons before, <laughs> yeah, before that happens. So oh it's God, fine. Please, <laughs> no, we'll probably have another daughter. <laughs> Poor Alaric. It, it has been a while since I've been on, and so I was listening to the last episode I was on just to kind of like refresh everything, and it was episode thirty-three, or no, oh, it was wow. thirty-four, and twenty episodes. You said. For 33, I guess I said that Larry Bird's number was 33, and then for 54, you asked, or 34, you asked me. So then number 54 for today's episode, Horace Grant played Horace on the Bulls. Grant. More importantly, <laughs> Patrick Patterson played for Kentucky. That doesn't, number 54. that's not relevant. It's not NBA. It's completely relevant. Don't know who any of these people are. So. Woohoo! <laughs> he won four rings with Michael Jordan. Four Super Bowl rings? In the NBA, yes. Okay, cool. <laughs> <laughs> well, speaking of sports, and then we're gonna get to we're gonna get to some serious stuff. But speaking of sports, it's the best time of year, I think, sporting event wise. The first weekend of March Madness is usually the best sporting event. Period. Well, and it's and better this year because baseball is finally not locked out. Baseball's coming back. We're we're gonna get to go see a couple games this year. We're excited about that. But March Madness. I mean, that's hockey, right? Yeah, hockey. Uh, so, you know, for those of you who care i don't even care if you don't care kentucky has a great path to a final four they gotta win they gotta shoot the ball better than they did this weekend burning but, couches either way you know maybe <laughs> maybe we'll burn some couches no we only burn we saved the burning of couches for wins for winning championships not just uh, making it to the final four what we about you actually, lose we I've, just break stuff burn and just, just smash things <laughs> so. no but this is gonna be fun fun few weeks so Honestly, if you're a sports fan, just enjoy this weekend. It, it, a lot of good upsets usually happen this first weekend, and Cinderella teams emerge, and hopefully Duke loses. And that's that's really what really what matters this weekend is is that beyond the you know make sure your Christian life is good. I feel like I have to jump that in there, but you all know what I mean. It's all a balance. Lead back to Jesus. Yeah. Anyway, so <laughs> good transition. Uh, so. Obviously, Carter's back after a decent little absence, and we are thrilled. So, just kind of interview style. What's been going on, man? Where you been? I mean, you've been in my house, which is cool. But, like, tell the other people where you've been. I just wanted to first say, like, a thank you to both of you guys for the prayers and encouragement in my time of being away. And not just, like, being pushy and kind of getting mad at me for not being on it, but you guys were both, like, being encouraging to me. So, I just wanted to say thank you for that. And I don't remember if you had said while I left, but I wanted to go in-depth and... Just say that in those months or leading up to it, I had been giving the podcast like little amount of effort and just never fully taking it as serious as I once did. And my faith, I wasn't taking it as serious either. I pushed it to the back seat. I wanted to, I had self-reflection and I wanted to be able to give 100% effort. And I just didn't feel like I could give that at the time. And so I just wanted to like kind of stop and see where I was at and be like, okay, why am I not prioritizing my faith? Why is it not my number one priority? And I feel like in those months, I've grown enough to where now I can actually sit here and give 100% effort and not just kind of give half and day of recording, just start doing research, which I did do today, but that was just because I decided yesterday that I was going to be back on. Yeah, so you get a pass for that, for sure. Yeah. 
And I wanted to like just say that it was, I'm not like as of now, I'm planning to be here again next week. I don't know if it's like I'm fully back on, but and another thing, it was not like none of us were mad at each other. Like there was no disagreement or anything that like pushed me away. Like nothing bad had caused this. I it was, was just furious. He pushed me down the stairs <laughs> two times too much in one week. Like yeah. one time yeah. is good, but three is too much. So. <laughs> but uh, yeah, it was, it was never anything that like we got mad at each other for. So just wanted to make sure that was clear. Yeah, for sure. And I, you know, I, I've mentioned before that he, you know, you still are here. Like we're, we're still around and didn't kick him out. Didn't kick him out. Everything's, everything's kosher. So we are, I, I am stoked. I'm, I'm pretty mm-hmm. happy. Um, I don't know why I just used the word stoked in the year 2022, dude, but I did. Fine. It's fine. And I am. Totally do. So radical. Um, <laughs> I've been gone so long that it feels weird again talking into a mic. And especially just, because I'm shorter than the mic. But <laughs> I'm not. I'm, again, I'm pretty sure I'm taller slope, than Brad. You're so. on the slope. It's the chair. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Taller than me? Are you really taller than me now? <clears throat> um, last I checked, I was like 5'8", and I've been told oh, I'm taller. I'm 5'10", so. <laughs> well, my mom is like 4'10", I think. Uh, and my fair. dad's 5'8", so. Yeah. I'm 6'5". <laughs> no, no, he's not. <laughs> no, he are you really? He is, yeah. yeah. So, but I'm anywho, say your middle name right now. <laughs> I, I, that's fine. I don't care. <laughs> Sticks and stones. So, anyway, anyway. Um, <laughs> no, it's great. Great to have you yeah. back. Definitely uh, bring the trio back, man. Yeah, the original dynamic trio. Trio. Yeah. Doesn't have as great of a ring to it's it. Fine. Just let it's it go. Cool. Yeah. So anyway, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Oh. In honor of me being back, when you see this shared on Facebook, you have to comment your favorite vegetable. Okay. Which means you have to listen to at least <laughs> yeah, 10 like minutes six, into Six, seven minutes in it? Yeah. Favorite Think vegetable. Think of your favorite vegetable. Do we say ours? Sure. I mean, I like Brussels sprouts. I don't know. Potato? <laughs> it's not a vegetable. It's a root. It's a root. I know. That's my favorite vegetable. <laughs> Since we are the ones that are making the question, we can bend the rules however we want. So I'm gonna yeah, 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 okay, yeah, okay. Yeah, but but yeah, yeah, you yeah, can't yeah, say yeah. fruit or you can't say fruit. You can't say potatoes either. You can't say tomato or is tomato. Tomatoes are fruit. That's right. So. I'll always call it a vegetable though. So what is it? Fruit tails? Because <laughs> it was a tomato. Oh, that's right. Well, and technically, a cucumber is a fruit as well. Okay, my favorite is broccoli. Really? I love some good steamed broccoli, okay. which is weird because that was my absolute least favorite when I was a kid. Yeah. And one time I, like a few years ago when I started liking it, I asked my dad, I was like, can we go to Culver's and get broccoli? And he was like, who are who you? Are you? <laughs> <laughs> he was like, do you think that your younger self would like slap you for saying that? And I was like, probably. Probably. That's fine. But it's good. It's good for me. My younger self would slap me for a lot of things I say and do at this point. Um, like I would okay. slap my younger self. Well, I would do that for too. Yeah. Younger self can't touch me. Get, get back. Yeah. Well, my younger self wouldn't slap me because he wouldn't recognize me because he was big headed, big forehead, and like no hair. So <laughs> <laughs> it's off the rails already. Anyway. <clears throat> so, Brad, what are we talking about so today? Today, today's going to be talking about baptism. So we've we've kind of started a, a, a kind of a different format uh, here, as we're only doing one episode a week just because of scheduling and timing and the amount of time it takes to edit on top of me doing schoolwork and everything. So we're gonna finish Romans here in the next few weeks. But we're also, like, in between, going to do some random topics and, and some different theological topics. Uh, we're going to talk about verses out of context again at some point coming up soon, and, and we're going to talk about a few different things. But today, we want to talk about baptism. It is something that can be divisive and controversial. I, I don't really think it should be, but it, it, there's a lot of denominations and a lot of people that that put so much value on baptism that it, it almost kind of trumps what Christ has done for you. And, and we want to kind of talk about that and be like, hey, let's keep pro- baptism in its proper place. It's important. It is something, as you'll as as you know, as you'll hear as we're talking, that you need to do as a believer. Well, then you also have... But where, where does it rank? Don't. Yeah. But they, where does it rank as a hierarchy? Yeah. And yeah. you have a group groups that, you're right, that don't put baptism as, as an important thing. Right. So it's all about finding that balance of, of how important is it and... What does Scripture say What does Scripture it? say about it? So that's kind of where we're going. I figure we would start... Austin, correct me if this is not where you want to start. With the whole immersion versus sprinkling type side of this, that kind of the basic of how. Yeah. How how should we be baptized? No, definitely. Basic questions that we can answer. But yeah, just looking at baptism as a whole and going back to the root, I mean, it is interesting. Most words... 
are translated from the Greek or from the Hebrew directly into to English or whatever it's being translated into. But baptize is one of those words, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, it's called a transliterary, where it's it's not translated into English. We are we are actually just saying the okay. the actual Greek word. Um, we've changed it a little bit. The Greek word is baptizo. Yes. But so we just call it baptized. But the actual word baptizo throughout the the whole New Testament literally means to submerge, to completely cover with water. So for one, that's that's kind of important. Take take that to the bank right there as we kind of dive in. I for, I think for one, let's start out with Matthew twenty eight verse nineteen. Uh, it's the Great Commission. As Christ is talking to his disciples, you know, before he ascends into heaven, he he tells them. He tells them exactly what they have to do, and it says. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore, making disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the ends of the age. So right here, the Great Commission. Jesus is commanding his disciples, go out, make disciples, and what? baptize them. Baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And it's it's not a request. It's not a, hey, I think you should do it. I think it'd be a great idea. It's no, do this. And so it's a command. It is a command. And I want to point out to, it says make disciples first. Yes. Baptize second. So what has happened first? They've become followers of Christ. Yes. They that have was the, heard the it, good news. They have heard the good news and they've accepted Christ. So that is the first step in this whole baptism process. You have to already be a disciple. That kind of leads into where we're going to go here in a little bit. But just I want to make sure we point that out is that the first step in this is to be a disciple. Yes. Next, let's jump to Matthew chapter 3. For, for me, I do want to solidify just how important it is. Because definitely from, from growing up, seeing the side of it not being as important as you accept Christ, Christ, the Holy Spirit enters you, then what? And a lot of times it just drags on. And as we'll get into, it, it's an immediate response. And again, we'll, we'll get into it, but I, I want to solidify it with Matthew chapter 3, verses 11 through 17. Then Jesus came from Galilee to the Jordan to John to be baptized by him. John would have prevented him saying, I need to be baptized by you. And do you come to me? But Jesus answered him, let it be so now. For thus it is fitting for us to fulfill all righteousness. Then he consented. And when Jesus was baptized immediately, he went up from the water and behold, the heavens were opened to him. And he saw the spirit of God descending like a dove and coming to rest on him. And behold, a voice from heaven said, this is my beloved son with whom I am well pleased. So there's a couple things here. Uh, number one, like we're talking about, talking about sprinkling versus submersion. Um, we believe in submersion that through throughout the Old Testament or throughout the New Testament, it talks about being completely covered with water. And number one example is Jesus right here. He comes, John the Baptist baptizes him, and he's, and it says, and immediately he went up from the water, as in he is coming up out of the water and he is walking out of the water. So he was completely submerged. Uh, number two is Jesus just being baptized in general because uh that the thought is well he's perfect and from john he's like i i shouldn't be baptizing you you should be baptizing me right but jesus his response is let it be so now for thus is fitting for us to fulfill all righteousness so the, the, for whatever reason there is a question at times that say hey should a christian be baptized at all is it really that important should they yes why Jesus did it. Yeah. We're supposed to follow Jesus. Be like Jesus. Follow his example. He did it. Therefore, we should do it. Yeah. I think it goes deeper, too. One, he sets the example. He sets the tone. But number two, he did it to fulfill all righteousness. And for us to be baptized into the faith, we are fulfilling righteousness. And again, we are called to be holy as he is holy. We are called to be righteous. So definitely keep that in mind. The, as you are being baptized, as you have been baptized, you have fulfilled all righteousness. Such a cool thing. So I might rip Dexter's vocal cords out. Just I don't hear him. He's fine. I think oh, you should. My goodness. Anyway, driving me nuts. All right. <laughs> <laughs> so we, we've you know we've kind of discussed submersion versus uh, sprinkling. Obviously, we we are you know we we support the submersion. We don't. 
I don't think in, any of us would support infant baptism. I think it's honestly a waste of time because it yeah, wasn't your their de- decision. Well, it's it's that there's that for sure. They they don't have that salvation knowledge of Christ yet. Um, I think if you're using it to symbolize that you're going to raise them in like the truth, and, dedication, and, yeah, like a dedication type moment, then, then maybe. But I don't think baptism is the right word at that point. And I think it's just a dedication. Like you just you, we have baby dedications at our church. You know, I think that is sufficient. Right. Speaking well, of when I was when we've like baptism, I think I'm coming up on four years in July. So oh wow, that's awesome. Doesn't four, feel like four it was four years, years ago. Rebirth, rebirth day. Four years rebirth day. Yeah. I'll be four. I'll be four years four old. Four years old. <laughs> <laughs> well, and and that is a it is a very touchy subject. Um, our I mean, our brothers and sisters in the Catholic faith that that is something that they are grow they grow up being taught and they learn and it's it's this uh, thought process that is taught to them through Catholicism that if a baby dies they go into ba- basically baby limbo and it, it's not like a horrific place like hell or like purgatory but it's just this limbo that they never actually get to behold the the divinity of of god so that's why most most catholics as soon as their baby is born they go straight to the altar and have their baby baptized (laughs) which is crazy so back in the 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 early years of uh the catholic church um, medieval pre-medieval they would actually submerge the baby they would submerge the newborn baby pull the baby up and then bam but then they had their controversy of submersion versus yeah. sprinkling, whatever. <laughs> but what we believe as Christians, that when you are born, we're born into sin. The I mean, we are completely following it. Scripture talks about how our, our hearts are wicked. And just uh, even back in the times of Noah, he says, everything that they have done is wicked. Everything that they devise is wicked. And so knowing that as we were born into this world, we're evil. But the difference between us and... Uh, say my my uh, five month old or my two year old, they don't have the the recall. They don't have the awareness ability and the awareness to reject God. It's not so much that they don't have the opportunity or the ability to accept Him as their Lord and Savior. They don't have the ability to reject Him. And when a baby dies, when we look at miscarriages, when we look at Abortion. e- abortions, yeah. yeah, millions upon millions of babies, you have stillbirths, you have babies that are just, they, they die, they die early. Um, we believe they go, they go to heaven. They are with our Father because they have not had the opportunity to reject Christ. And so they, they are in heaven right now. That's that's what we believe based on scripture. Thank God for that. So going to baby baptisms, stuff like that, it, it's not needed. And again, it, looking at it from a, you're dedicating your child to God. Uh, my wife and I, we look at circumcision now. Per the New Testament, circumcision is no longer needed according to the law, but we, we still circumcise our sons. And one, God willing, more. <laughs> Sorry, my bad. That's wow. Yeah, way to bad. go, Austin. Sorry, but no, we we use it as a dedication, dedicating my son to God, saying, "I am presenting my son to you, and I am dedicating him, but also myself to teaching my son what this means, and that he has been bought with a price, and the price is your son. So I will teach him that as he grows. I think looking at it that way, I think it would be okay. Granted, to actually look at baptizing your baby, thinking, "Okay, my baby's good." Whatever happens. Exactly. Yeah. Right. And then and that's where, for me, the rub is people who believe that that seals their soul. And it just right. doesn't. Uh, there, there's a liturgy within the Catholic faith when it comes to infant baptism that says, quote, seeing now, dearly beloved brethren, that this child is regenerate and grafted into the body of Christ's church, let us give thanks. And I ju- there's no scriptural basis that then says that this child, because he was sprinkled or she was sprinkled, is now regenerate, now a new creation. That's not, there's nothing biblical there. Well, and that's and, it. And, and so nothing. that's where the rub is for me is, is when you start to think that this, oh, well, he's He's been sprinkled, so we're fine. That's not. That's not it. You still gotta. They will still have a decision to make, right? At some point in their life, yeah. And so, kind of just honing in that that point, looking at baptism, looking at submersion, looking at the importance of it. Let's go to Acts chapter two, verse thirty-seven through forty-one. Now, when they heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, "Brothers, what should we do?" And Peter said to them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promise is for you and for your children and for all who are far off, everyone whom the Lord your God calls to himself. 
And with many other words he bore witness, and continued to exhort him, saying, Save yourselves from this crooked generation. So those who received his word were baptized, and there were added that day about 3,000 souls. Uh, It cut straight to their heart, as we know that the word of God does. Sharper than any two-edged sword cut and pierces the heart of man. And they said, what do we do? And he says, repent and be baptized. So they said, okay. And it said that day, 3,000 people not only repented, but they were baptized that day. Yeah. So again, just leaning more towards, and we're getting there, but honing in on the fact that baptism is important and that is, it is an immediate response to your repentance and accepting that Jesus Christ is your Lord and Savior. Immediate. Okay, so that then begs the question. We, so we've kind of established submersion over sprinkling. We've established that should Christians be baptized? Yes. Yes, they should. I mean, we, we, we see that all through Scripture. Now the question is when? When do we get baptized? You know, you have you have a camp that says it, ha- it needs to be immediate. You have a camp that says whenever you want, you know, and then there's that kind of in the middle of like, doesn't necessarily have to be immediate, but also it needs to be, you know, pretty quick after the salvation experience. So let's talk about that. When should a Christian be baptized? I mean, for me, I think that when I decided I want to get baptized, I was at a camp and I didn't like go run and dump myself and baptize myself. And I wanted to make sure that it wasn't just like an outward action and that I wasn't just like doing it for show or that it wasn't a decision made on emotion. Because I mean, camps are always based on emotion. Just... (laughs) Yeah. Um, yeah. We've, we've talked, we've about, talked that. about it. <laughs> yeah. The Thursday um, cry night. <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh, most camps are just emotion. So I didn't, I wanted to make sure that it wasn't just emotion. And like I took the whole next week, I think three or four days a week or three or four days that week met up with a close friend of mine. And like, he talked me through it about like what all it means. And I mean, I feel like you should, it should definitely be very early, like your first act of obedience. But I don't think that there's like a specific timeline. It doesn't say like you have to be exactly this age. You should, it should be like you have put your trust in him and you're ready to die to your old self and your old sinful ways and be raised to new life with Christ. Yeah. And looking at it from that perspective too of it is an immediate thing. As soon as you accept Christ, you are you are to go full bore into it. But um, again, making sure it's not just an emotional response. Mm-hmm. Yeah. At what age are you able to be baptized? And like we were talking about infant baptism, it really depends on the person. It depends yeah. on what point are you able to reject Christ. I would hone in on the parents of being so careful in watching your kid, being able to pay attention to those cues, not just, you know, is your is your child great at praying? My five-year-old is amazing at prayer, but she also listens. She listens to her, her mom, her me listening to other people pray, and she's able to pray really well. So I try not to get too close to that thing. Oh man, she, oh wow, she is she's really good. Right. Which she is, but looking at the heart, you know, we can't see the heart, so all we can see are fruits, stuff like that, whatever. So just be very careful of, oh, my five-year-old is saved, so let's get her baptized. No, I am going to wait a little bit. I'm, I'm going to counsel my, my kids to wait a little bit until they're a little older, not super old, but old enough where I believe that they are well-equipped and prepared, and I know that they are of the age that they can reject and accept Christ. Right. Reject or accept Christ. I think both of you make great points, and I think the way I've always looked at it is, yes, it is the first act of obedience, right? It is it is what you're called, you, we are called to do it. It's a symbolic gesture of saying, hey, I'm ready to die to myself and, and live in Christ. You also need to understand what you're doing. So there needs to be not only this emotional that you, that you talked about, Carter, that, that I mean, that that's part of this is, I mean, I do think we need to be broken emotionally over our sin and over our need for a Savior, especially yeah. before, as we're being led to conversion, we need to be broken of, of our sin yeah. and how we need Christ. So yes, there is going to be emotion involved in that, but then also being like, okay, what does baptism symbolize? And so yeah, taking a few days after mm-hmm. you've made that decision to follow Christ of like, okay, what is baptism? What does it mean? What does it symbolize? What am I doing here? Am I just going for a quick swim? Like, am I at risk of being drowned by the preacher? Like, what what are these? What does this mean? Because especially to someone who is on the outside and is just recently converted to Christ and has not, doesn't really have much of an understanding of this. They need to understand it, I think. I mean, maybe I'm a little off base here, but I I do think they need to know what they're doing. Yeah, definitely. And (laughs) I believe it's John MacArthur, uh, he points points out that we have a lot of the world that is baptized, but we have a lot of non-Christians that are not baptized. And a lot of it comes from infant baptism or just being baptized, but then 
you know, it turns out they were actually never saved to begin with or just walked away from the faith, have you? So yeah, being very cautious of that, but being able to have people around you that are able to look at your life and counsel you and say, hey, look, this is what I see. And I, I believe you're ready. I can I can see this. Or the other side of, I, I, I really don't see it. And to be honest with them and say, I don't see you wanting to actually follow a Christ-like life. And I, that's important. And so baptism, what is it? It's being submerged, but for what purpose? So Romans chapter six, uh, starting in verse one, what shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin that grace may abound? By no means. How can we who died to sin still live in it? Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were buried therefore with him by baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the father, we too might walk in newness of life. So right there, it says the whole purpose of baptism is to literally put to death your physical body, put to death and bury it with Christ's death, your sin. And then as you come up out of the water, you are a new creation. Uh, as we talked about 1 Corinthians as well, you are becoming like Christ. Another interesting fact is that baptism is not a New Testament thing. Baptism is actually a Jewish thing, and it has been around for a very long time. So uh, in the Old Testament, as... The Israelites were going around, if anyone wanted to be accepted into the Jewish faith, they had to go through a ceremony. Uh, once they have adopted that Jewish faith, they were known as proselytites. But they, they would have to go through this ceremony in order to become Jewish and to follow the Jewish God, Jehovah. And for number one, they would have to go through the milah, which is the circumcision. Women got a little bit better than men do. <laughs> but uh, you would have to be circumcised. And then the very next step was you had to be baptized. Um, I, I forget forget what the Hebrew word is for that, but it, it's a d- direct correlation of you have to be submerged. You have to be completely covered with water. We see that uh, actually in, I forgot what Bible story that was, where I believe the king had leprosy and he had to be, he had to dunk himself underwater seven times. Does I know what you're familiar? talking about. Yeah, that sounds I, familiar. And it, I'll look it up here in a minute. No, the second part is they would have to go and they would have to be dunked underwater. And the symbolism there was literally, you are putting away your past life, your life as a Gentile and you were being brought into the Jewish faith. Well, look at the Jewish faith just as a whole, especially in the Old Testament. And even to this day, symbolism is huge in the Jewish tradition. Ceremony faith. is huge. Ceremony is huge. And, you know, it's why bar mitzvahs and bat mitzvahs still occur in the Jewish tradition, in Jewish faith, because these ceremonies and these traditions are very important to them. And, and, it, and in the Old Testament, very important to God. I mean, look at all the festivals and the feasts that, that God had them celebrate, and God had them remember what he's done for them. Look at ours. There are two. Two things that we are basically told to do as an act of obedience to our, to Christ when it comes to like ceremonies. The first is baptism, mm-hmm. and the second is the Lord's Supper. The baptism happens once; the Lord's Supper is continual. Mm-hmm. Anytime we meet and we gather, yeah. we take the Lord's mm-hmm. Supper together. So baptism is important. It's very important, <clears throat> and it doesn't happen quickly yeah. after conversion. So true that, conversion. True conversion. So Second Kings uh, um, chapter five verse verse one. That's Naaman being dunked seven times, having his leprosy healed. What what is also interesting too? So when John the Baptist comes on the field and he is calling for these Jews to repent and to be baptized. The word verbiage he was using is a direct correlation to bringing proselytes into the Jewish faith. And the reason why all these uh, Pharisees and Sadducees were coming down and calling him out on this was basically how, what? Excuse me, how dare you? We are Jews. We're his chosen people. We don't have to do this. This is only for this is only a Gentile thing. And that's where he proceeds to say, You brood of vipers. <laughs> yeah. So the the contrast of Old Testament New Testament baptism is not a Christian thing. It is not a New Testament thing. It's been around for a very long time. This is how God has chosen to use it. I, I so cool. Okay, so you know, we've we've obviously just We've got the should we do it? Yes. When should we do it? And we do think it it is quick. It is, you know, almost immediate. It is your first act of obedience. So then, I mean, I kind of answered it just there, but there's a little bit more to it. Let's go deeper just to kind of put a little bow on this idea of baptism as far as the why and the how and the when and the how. Why do we do it? What is the actual purpose? If we could sum it up into a, a little paragraph or a little sentence or two, why do we do it? Well, good thing for you. I did summarize it into two sentences. It's actually three. Um, So what I have is, water baptism is your first act of obedience after putting your trust in him. When you are baptized with water, you are obeying the words and command of Jesus Christ. Water baptism symbolizes that you are willing to follow Jesus and have your life match his will for you. 
Hmm. And then also, um, this is from a website called Christianity.com. It says, how important is your baptism? It is your personal identification with the greatest act of human history, the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Yeah, well, and, and, and we've alluded to this where it talks about we are putting to death our old self. Christ is not commanding us to hang ourselves on a cross as he did and die for the sin of mankind as he did. It's not, that's not what he's commanding us to do. Now, there may be a point where he's, he's telling us to die for him. I mean, that's, that's definitely a possibility. Pick up your cross and follow me. <laughs> but this idea of dying to yourself, it is, it is putting to death your old self. It's saying, I want my desires to change. We, we talk about this ad nauseum on this podcast. Is like our desires are so opposed to God, just innately opposed to God. We don't want what he wants. Yet, when we accept Christ and when we have a salvation or a salvific faith in him, our desires are to change. And that's what baptism symbolizes is I want my desires, I want to die to my former self and I want to be raised up in you. And so that I am a new creation, I am yours, and that my will and your will go hand in hand and I'm obeying you. That's exactly what it is. And so, I mean, to put it bluntly, if you are a believer, you're a professing Christian and you have not been baptized, you're in sin, you're not in the will of God. You're outside of God's will. You're disobeying Christ, his command to baptize. Yeah. So another thing from this website, it says, um, when you are baptized, you are visually preaching the gospel. When you're standing in the water, when you're standing in the water, you're symbolizing Jesus dying on the cross. And when you are lowered into the water, you're symbolizing him being buried. And then when you're raised, you symbolize, of course, him rising from the dead. And I mean, like it, I said, I didn't want to only do it based on it being like an outward thing. But I mean, it's still, it is an outward act and it's showing, like say you post it on Facebook or something, it's showing that like you are willing to, people. I mean, because the world is going to hate us as Christians. And so your friend sees that you're baptized and like you're kind of openly accepting that like if they don't like you because of that, you don't care because now you're alive in Christ. So Yeah, it, it's being unified with Him, right? It, it's conforming your will to His. I mean, is there something, you know, magical in the water? No, there's not. Like, it's just, it, it's, it's Which, normal water. I didn't know that at first. I was a little scared. I was like, is it going to, like, do anything to my hair or something? Is it, like, going to be weird? Is it not good? I thought it was, like, an actual different liquid. Like, I didn't think it was just normal water. Special water. I thought holy holy, I thought water. holy water was like some weird yeah. liquid, and I was a little scared to get in. It was gonna burn. <laughs> and a few years ago, not not like not at the time of baptism, I originally thought that I was dunked underwater for like an entire minute. I was a little scared. I was like, <laughs> I don't want to do that. <laughs> Longest five seconds of your life. I was yeah. like really practicing on holding my breath because I could wow. only hold it for like thirty seconds, and yeah. I was like, I gotta do this. Gotta do this. <laughs> <laughs> well, so and playing into that being that physical representation to people of this is what I believe and I'm willing to stand for it. Uh, It goes right back to uh, Matthew chapter 10, verse 32 through 33. So everyone who acknowledges me before man, I also will acknowledge him before my father who is in heaven. But whoever denies me before men, I also will deny before my father who is in heaven. So you being baptized in front of people. Again, this this is a ceremony. Looking at a marriage ceremony, why do we have people come to our wedding? They're witnesses. They're there to witness this union between this this man and this woman to become one flesh, and they witness it, but then they also keep them accountable for the rest of their life. The same thing is with baptism. You are to be baptized in front of your entire congregation, in front of other believers, and even the world, so that, one, the your fellow brothers and sisters next to you witness and are able to keep you accountable, but you were you were letting the whole world know, all of mankind know, this is to whom I serve, and I am willing to put it out there. I mean, here, here in America, we are so comfortable, and I, I definitely think this is one of the pitfalls, that in the American church, you come to know Christ, and baptism might not be taught or preached as well as it should in your church, so therefore you go years without doing it, or you might just not even do it. But we have Christians in other countries that are being saved and they know that if anybody sees them be baptized, they will be put to death. Yeah. And guess what? They do it anyway. So that that actually goes to this uh, verse in Acts. Yeah. I, I think, did you read Acts 2? You read Acts 2. Mm-hmm. This is re- where Peter said, repent, and each, be, each of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. So a lot of people will use this, and this kind of transitions into the, does baptism save you? Well, no. 
but a lot of people will use a verse like this, and I'm gonna I'm gonna talk at length a little about First uh, Peter three about that and just kind of how that's misused and misinterpreted. But a lot of people will go to this chap this verse in Acts that we just mentioned and think about this in context. And and this is you know this is going a little deep, but I think you have to in, in some of these situations. Yeah, the Jewish tradition in the Jewish they were very proud people. The Jew, Jews of the New Testament were very proud, very nationalistic. They were very proud of their ethnicity and of their religion. And the modern or uh, the Jews of that time, the prominent Jews of, have they rejected Jesus. And so this brings up your point to show publicly that you have accepted Christ as a Jew was to be ostracized from the Jewish community at that point. Yeah. Persecuted even and killed. I mean look at Saul before he was Paul, killing Christians yeah. in, the, in the name of the Jewish faith. And so what Peter's doing here is he's saying, look, we're, we're not. I'm not here for secret Christians. I am here for public displays of Christianity. I'm here for you to say, look, I repent of my sin. I accept Christ. He is the Savior. He is, he is going to be the Lord of my life. And because of that, I'm going to obey. I'm going to get baptized in a public place. And I'm going to declare to the world that no matter, like Carter said, no matter the consequences, whether you like me or hate me, I'm following Christ. And that's what he's talking about in Acts 2. He's saying, you need to show these, show your commitment, essentially, to Christ in a public way. Yeah. Does, the, does that act of going underneath the water and coming up, does that save you? Do you have to do that in order to be saved? No. You have to repent. You have to believe in Christ and repent. That is what saves you. And we see that all throughout Scripture, of course, right? If you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that Jesus Christ is Lord, you will be saved. Romans 10.8, or 10.9. Yep, because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. You will be, yeah. yeah. That's it. This baptism is, again, as Carter has laid out, as Austin has laid out, an outward symbol of an inward change, of something of a change that has already taken place in your life. Well, and, and so, giving it some context, too, because a lot of people say, okay, well, what about John 3? So, uh, I'll read it. It's John talking to Nicodemus. He says, now there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. This man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher come from God, for no one can do the signs that you do unless God is with him. Jesus answered him, truly, truly I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus said to him, how can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, truly, truly I say to you, unless one is born of water and the spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Do not marvel that I say to you, you must be born again. The wind blows where it wishes, and you hear its sound, but you do not know where it comes from or where it goes. So it is with everyone who is born of the Spirit. So <clears throat> that that is a very common scripture that is used to say, oh, well, Jesus said, if you're not born of water and of spirit, therefore you will not enter the kingdom of heaven. And so we're, we're taking scripture as a whole, and uh, it's very easy to, to come to this because, yeah, Christ says right there, if you're not born of water and of spirit, it leads into a lot of different things. Uh, one, being born in general, we have absolutely nothing to do with. Why would we think we have anything to do with the second one as well? So, again, that leads into other things. But and but Christ is, he's getting into the fact of, you have no idea. Uh, the, the wind blows where it wishes, and you hear it sound, but you do not know where it comes from or where it goes. So it is with everyone who is born of the spirit. We don't know. <clears throat> we don't know who is born of the spirit. God knows. So, giving that more context, we're going to go to 1 Corinthians. Uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 1, and we're going to start in verse 14. So, this is interesting. This is Paul writing to the Corinthians. He says, I thank God that I baptized none of you except Crispus and Gaius, so that no one may say that you were baptized in my name. I did baptize also the house of Stephanus beyond that. I do not know whether I baptized anyone else. For Christ did not send me to baptize, but to preach the gospel, and not with words of eloquent wisdom, lest the cross of Christ be emptied of its power. So right here, Paul is saying that uh, Christ didn't send me to baptize you. He just told, sent me to preach. So everybody that Paul preached to and was saved and accepted Christ as Lord and Savior probably wasn't baptized. And they might have been baptized later in their life, but right. as of this, they were not baptized. That wasn't by Paul. Paul's focus. No. And it's like, oh, well, that contradicts the Great Commission. Well, looking at who Christ gave the Great Commission to, he gave it to the apostles that were there with him. He went and visited Paul on the road to Damascus. He was not there. He Jesus gave him 
another route to go. Now, it is very dangerous to look at this and say, oh, well, well, Paul did that. He went and was preaching the gospel, so I don't have to baptize either. It's like, you know, no, you got to be careful with that because unless Jesus comes to you like he came to Paul, we need to go back to the Great Commission. And we are to follow the Great Commission. Right. So, reading from Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 and 9, it says, For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing, it is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. So, to ask the question, does baptism save us? I mean, you just have to say no, because it is, it says right here that faith saves us, not works. And, I mean, yeah, baptism is, I think we should do it, but it's not, baptism itself does not save you, and faith alone does. So, Yeah. And, and and that is how we need to look at it. By grace, we have been saved. It is, it is not a works-based salvation. So I want to go back to Acts chapter 2 real quick. And I want to kind of look at this logically within the context of Scripture and using Scripture to interpret Scripture. And, and I'm going to use John MacArthur, one of his commentary passages, to kind of illustrate this point, because I like that he uses logic to kind of dispel this idea that baptism saves you, or as he puts it, baptismal regeneration. At the point of baptism is when you're saved. That's what that means. So let's look at this and, and just kind of think of it logically for a second. It says, baptismal regeneration ignores the immediate context of the passage. Talking about Acts chapter 2. As already noted, baptism would be a dramatic step for Paul's hearers. By publicly identifying themselves as followers of Jesus of Nazareth, they risk becoming outcasts of their society. Peter calls upon them to prove the genuineness of their repentance by submitting to public baptism. In much the same way, our Lord called upon the rich young ruler to prove the genuineness of his repentance by parting with his wealth. Surely, however, no one would argue from that story that giving away one's possessions is necessary for salvation. No one would argue that. So then why would we argue that baptism is essential for salvation? Right. If we don't apply that standard to everything else Jesus had said throughout the entirety of the Gospels, why would then we, we apply it to baptism? The only thing that we are told saves us is belief in the Lord, in Christ, and repentance. That is what we're told by grace, through faith, not through giving away your possessions, not through baptism, not through taking the Lord's mm-hmm. Supper, not through, in fact, taking the Lord's Supper can bring upon judgment. Right. <laughs> but definitely through giving your money to famous pastors like Joel Osteen. Oh, absolutely. Well, that's, that goes without saying. <laughs> you have to give them all your money. But just doing this exercise of thinking through things logically and thinking through this idea that all right, if I apply it. This strictly to baptism, I would then need to apply that strictly to other things that Jesus said, including telling the rich young ruler to give away all your possessions. Well, that means we should all give away all our possessions and live in poverty. Mm. It's not what he's saying. Looking at Ananias and Sapphira, when they sold their piece of property and they came and they gave the portion, was it because they didn't give all their portion that they struck them, that God struck them down right there? No, it was a heart issue. They lied. They said, oh, I sold this field for this much money and I'm giving all of it. When in reality, it's I sold this for this much money, but I'm actually keeping this and I'm giving this, but being deceitful and lying, saying it's all of it. It was the heart. It was the heart issue. Reading Romans chapter 10, verse 9 through 10. Because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart, one believes and is justified. And with the mouth, one confesses and is saved. For the scripture says, everyone who believes in him will not be put to shame. So, with the heart, one believes and is justified. And with the mouth, one confesses and is saved. It just goes against this idea that we see all throughout Scripture, all throughout the New Testament, of faith alone, by grace alone, that we are saved. Right. If you truly believe that baptism, at the moment of baptism, is when you are saved, you are denying passages like the one that you just read, which was Romans... Chapter 10, verses 9 through 10. Yeah. Or Romans three twenty eight. It says, Nevertheless, knowing that a man is not justified by the works of the law, but through faith in Christ Jesus, even we have believed in Christ Jesus, so that we may be justified by faith in Christ and not by works of the law. Since by the works of the law, no flesh will be justified. We see it in Acts 16, verse 31. Paul and Silas tell their jailer, Believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved. Mm-hmm. Galatians two sixteen. Paul denies salvation by works. Yeah. So bringing it home to it, the physical baptism, being submerged under water, being brought up, that is not what saves you. It is your confession 
It is your believing in your heart that he is Lord and Savior, as we, as we have just read. But we are also not negating the importance of baptism. Correct. As believers, if you are a professing believer, but you have not been baptized and it has been years, my question would be, why not? That's, it is a very important question because I would go as far as to say, are you truly saved? And I, I say that lightly um, because that is a self-reflection between you and God. Right. And to go before God and say, why have I not done this yet? And beware of your excuses. You know, oh, I, it just hasn't been the right time or, oh, I've been mulling it over or... And trust me, there are many, <laughs> many excuses that you can come come up with. But if it's been months, years, you need to do it. Again, honing in on the not having to be baptized to be saved, looking at the thief on the cross. I mean, baptism has been going on for a while. John the Baptist was on the scene. All the way up to Jesus dying and the thief on the cross, he was not baptized. And he said, I will see you in paradise. Well, let's look at let's look at Jesus. All throughout his ministry on earth, he called out and condemned these ritualistic practices of the Pharisees and Sadducees that they thought brought them holiness, right? And, and obeying the law to the letter and wearing the, the phylacteries, which were like little boxes that had scriptures in them on their yes. forehead. And doing all these things that show showed them outwardly that they were, oh, what's the word I'm looking for here? They were... Um, Arrogant, pompous. Well, no, no. That out, like, they themselves thought... Outward, holy, Outward, I'm holy, I'm yes. righteous, I'm, I'm sanctified, I'm whatever. And Jesus spends a good portion of his ministry railing against that idea. Yeah. So then why would he then institute a ritual to save you? Right. That goes against his character. It goes against his entire ministry to say, oh, well... All of these symbols and rituals and all these are wrong, and the Pharisees are wrong for, for thinking that that brings them holiness. But you have to do this for holiness, you, or you, ha- you have to do this ritual to, to, be, saved. to be saved. Right. He wouldn't, that, that, that contradicts him, contradicts his character, contradicts his ministry, contradicts scripture. That is not what this means. It is not the means of salvation. You are already saved when you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart, and you have that moment with Christ. And he, and you are convinced of the truth of the gospel and your need for a savior. You are saved in that moment. Yeah. You then obey by getting baptized and following his commands. Right. And it's you. Want One of those to. commands is baptism, by the way. Yeah. And it's you want to obey. You want to obey Christ. You want to do the things which he has commanded, the things which he has taught. It is an act of obedience. But again, just because you're not baptized, does that mean you're going to hell? No. I mean, look at all of the sins that we commit throughout our whole day. And just because you have disobeyed, does that mean you're going to hell? If you believe in your heart, confess with your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord, and you live your life for Christ, you're changing constantly for Christ and you're bearing fruit, then no. So, it, But that, that leads into the question, at what point does the Holy Spirit enter you? At what point are oh, you saved? We're going here. Yeah. All right. So, well, I wasn't so, prepared for this part. So Acts. <laughs> Acts chapter 8, I'll start in verse 4. So this is Philip proclaims Christ in Samaria. Now those who were scattered went about preaching the word. Philip went down to the city of Samaria and proclaimed to them the Christ. And the crowds with one accord paid attention to what was being said by Philip. When they heard him and saw the signs that he did for unclean spirits, crying out with a loud voice, came out of many who had them, and many were paralyzed or lame, were healed. So there was much joy in that city. But there was a man named Simeon, or Simon, who had previously practiced magic in the city and amazed the people of Samaria, saying that he himself was somebody great. They all paid attention to him from the least to the greatest, saying, This man is the power of God that is called great. And they paid attention to him because for a long time he had amazed them with his magic. Verse 12, but when they believed Philip as he preached good news about the kingdom of God and the name of Jesus Christ, they were baptized both men and women. Even Simon himself believed. And after being baptized, he continued with Philip and seeing signs and great miracles performed, he was amazed. Verse 14, now when the apostles at Jerusalem heard that Samaria had received the word of God, they sent to them Peter and John, who came down and prayed to them that they might receive the Holy Spirit, for he had not yet fallen on any of them, but they had only been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Then they laid their hands on them and they received the Holy Spirit. So right here we see Philip goes to Samaria and he's preaching to them and they believe and they are baptized. 
um, as we see in some of the the charismatic churches in um, Pentecostal Pentecostal church. Um, they believe that when you are baptized, as soon as you come out of the water, bam, the Holy Spirit enters you. And uh, there there are a few church Pentecostal churches that be- actually believe that as soon as you come out of water, you must be speaking prophetically and in a different tongue. You must be speaking in tongues. And basically, if you come out of the water and you're not speaking in tongues, that the Holy Spirit has not entered you yet. Well, boy, I must not have had the Holy Spirit enter me because I, <laughs> at 12 years old, did not speak in tongues when I got baptized. I did not either. Carter, did you? Yeah, for like did three you? hours straight. Three hours straight? I just couldn't stop. <laughs> yeah, they kicked you out. <laughs> they said, this gets weird. Yeah. <laughs> no, that's not true. Anyway. Um, nope. But no, it's... They were bat- they believed and were baptized. But going back to Romans, if you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth, in the heart one believes and is justified. But what's the next part? One confesses with their mouth and they are saved. So as we read this, they were they believed and were baptized, but it never said that they confessed. So as Peter and John they came and preached to them, that they might receive the Holy Spirit, for he had for he had not fallen on any of them, but they had only been baptized in the name of Jesus. Then they laid their hands on them, and they received the Holy Spirit. So, we're we're looking at this from okay. At what point does the Holy Spirit enter you? At what point are you saved? So, as we've read through Romans, as we've read through these words of Paul, it's once you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord and Savior, you are saved. And then, what do you do? You are baptized. And again, it is that show of the showing the world, proclaiming to the world that you follow the Son, and therefore, as you get to heaven, the Son will proclaim you to the Father. Right. That was my take on it. I don't know if you had a, a different view. No, I think, that's, I think that's about right. So I want to I want to tackle one passage really fast. Because when I've had conversations about this with people, this is the passage that gets brought up a decent amount. So it's 1 Peter 3, verses 18 through 22. And this is, again, this is Peter talking, writing, writing his letter here. And it says, For Christ also suffered once for sins, the righteous for the unrighteous, that he might bring us to God being put to death in the flesh, but made alive in the spirit, in which he went and proclaimed the spirits in prison, to the spirits in prison, because they formerly did not obey, when God's patience waited in the days of Noah, while the ark was being prepared, in which a few, that is, eight persons, were brought safely through water. And this is the verse that they, that people who believe in baptismal regeneration, that they kind of cling to. First Peter 3, verse 21, it says, Baptism, which corresponds to this, now saves you. Not as a removal of dirt from the body, but as an appeal to God for a good conscience through the resurrection of Jesus Christ, who has gone into heaven and is at the right hand of God with angels, authorities, and powers having been subjected to him. So people use this verse to say that the water of baptism saves you. And that's not it. So let's let's look at that and see what that see what that is. We've already talked about the word baptizo in Greek. The the word that actually from Greek we get the word baptism. Baptizo. That word simply means to immerse. Does not technically mean to immerse in water. It does just mean to immerse, not just water. Right. So Peter here, and I'm reading again from from a commentary. Peter here uses baptism to refer to a figurative immersion into Christ as the ark of safety that will sail over the holocaust of judgment on the wicked. So what is, what is what does that mean? That's a lot of words there. Paul is using this word to symbol kind of as a symbol, as an analogy of okay, as just as Noah and his family was spared in the ark, we will then be spared by immersing ourselves in Christ and in his will and in obedience to him. We will be spared the judgment that comes at the end. And so again, it's it's Peter, and, and Peter actually points this out pretty quickly. He, he said, you know, he kind of immediately was like, hey, I don't want you to think I'm talking about literal baptism here, literal water baptism. He says, that doesn't remove dirt from your flesh. Like he's not talking about physical water in this particular context. You know, we've talked about the some of the limitations of the English language where the Greek and the Hebrew will have multiple meanings for the same word, but we just have one word. Right, the Greek or the Hebrew has what five, six forms of love. Yeah, we just have the word love, right? So 
it's that similar concept here where this word baptizo just means to immerse. Now, we have in English literally just said baptism, water, and we've lost some of that meaning and understanding. And so we have to look at the context. Context is key. We have to look at context. Peter is using this word figuratively to immerse yourself in Christ. Well, and John the Baptist, for, he, he words it perfectly, uh, Matthew chapter 3, verse 11, I baptize you with water for repentance, but he who is coming after me is mightier than I, whose sandals I am not worthy to carry. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. He's talking about Christ. Yeah. And it, and e- even looking at Christ's uh, ministry, I've correct me if I'm wrong, I don't think I am, but Christ never baptized anybody. He... He commanded and he told his disciples to baptize, but he did not actually baptize anybody. Now, again, that's not saying you should not be baptized, right. but he, he told his, his disciples to do it. Why? Because Christ was baptizing people by the Holy Spirit and fire. He was not baptizing by water. And so, so there is that distinction there. Yeah. Yeah, Absolutely. So, I, I don't know. I, I just, I hope we've done this topic justice. I hope that we have explained it in a way that makes sense. I think after I go back and edit this, I'll feel a little better about that because I feel like we've had some moments of just kind of jumping around. But I do think we've done enough, I hope, to show you the importance of it, how it's to be done, when it's to be done, but also that this isn't your salvation. So, understand if you haven't been baptized, if you are a, a confessing believer and you, you profess Christ, but you haven't been baptized, I don't want you to hear like, and said, I don't want you to hear us saying, you're not saved. Definitively, you're not saved. But I do want you to, and we do want you to, check your heart, bro, right? Like, dive into it and say, hey, why haven't I done this? Is it because I didn't know anything about it? It's never been told to me? Okay, well, now it has. So, let's deal with it and let's pursue this act of obedience. Is it because you just don't want to do it? Well, that's an obedience issue. That's a heart issue. That's something you you and God need to deal with. Talk to somebody, talk to God especially, but talk to somebody else and just explore this and, and and get and understand of why this is important, because it is. It is what we're told to do. All right, yeah, so just to wrap everything up, baptism itself does not save you. It is merely a first act of obedience, showing that you are willing to put your old ways to death in order to be raised to new life with Christ. I mean, that we could boil the entire episode down to that statement right there. Because it is. It is actually pretty simple when you think about it. Baptism doesn't save you, but it is an act of obedience, and it is something that we need to do as believers. But it doesn't give you the grace right? That only comes through faith. It doesn't give you the gift that only comes through faith. And so, I mean, we could have asked the question, Carter could have read it and answered it, and that would have been it. But I I do think it's good that you think about it logically, think about it in light of Scripture, and dive into Scripture. So, kind of wrapping this up, um, looking at baptism when you are being baptized, uh, one thing kind of to leave off with, um, in the early church, a, a lot of what they would do is they would have this confessional. They would get up in front of everyone and they would confess right there in front of everyone, you know, Jesus Christ is the Lord and Savior. But it was more in depth. Today, I, I don't think we quite do it justice. We, we look at them and say, do you believe and confess that Jesus Christ is the Lord and Savior? And they say yes, and then they get dunked. I have seen it done where they recite the Apostles' Creed. Okay. Where I've seen it, you know, the, the whoever's doing the baptiz- baptizing would say, you know, repeat after me, I believe Jesus is the Christ, Son of the living God. Yeah and so on and so forth. And they recite the Apostles' Creed just as a verbal affirmation. This is what I believe. Of, yeah, of yeah. their belief in Christ. Yeah. Which I think is a great practice. I, and I think it is. And, and almost a statement of faith. A, lo- a lot of churches, I think our church does it too, where they, they have you basically write out your your testimony. Someone reads it for you, and then you're, you're baptized. I think we should even go as far as to write out your statement of faith. You know, have someone help you say, all right, this is what scripture says. This is what we believe. Do you believe this? And going along with Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, going in depth and saying, like the Apostles' Creed, we believe in God the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit as one, and go into it. But being able to have them go through that themselves and write it out, yeah, I think is would be such a powerful tool, and it would get them, I mean, one, the emotions are going anyway. They're being baptized in front of the whole church, right. and I, that water works for everybody. But to also hone that in on what is going through your mind, you know, not just the Jesus Christ and the Lord and Savior, but what do we actually believe as Christians? 
And I think it is important it, it that would help make sure and solidify that, hey, this was not just an emotional conversion experience, right? It wasn't simply the Thursday cry night at camp. It wasn't simply the, I got caught up in a worship song or I got, got caught up in a sermon or a good message. Like, you understand the importance of this and what this signifies. Yeah. And, and treat it with reverence and treat it with seriousness and then celebrate afterwards, right? right? But going into it where they, again, it's like taking those few days that Carter was talking about of understanding what I'm doing yes, and why I'm doing it. And maybe, you know, and, and, I, and I hope this wouldn't happen, but maybe they say, wow, I don't know if I can commit to all this. Like, I'm not sure I'm ready for this, or I, I don't know if I believe. Okay, let's deal with that. And yep. then we'll worry about <clears throat> baptism. Yep. Right? But get you're right. Get them to where they understand and know what they're committing to, what they're professing publicly. And like, look, again, be real with them. This ain't going to be easy. Yeah. Well, right? we, we've talked about it before. <laughs> As soon as someone is baptized, then you go to them and not only can you know congratulate and say I love you, but then look at them and say, Okay, now boot camp starts. Yes, yeah, it's time for war. And and that's it. Yeah. And to be so apparent and open with these new believers, not to scare them away, but to prepare them and be like, as soon as you come out of that water, you're this is not a just a declaration to the world of who you are serving. Yeah. But you are literally signing a declaration of war against the principalities and the darkness you are, of You this are age. picking a side. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, and Satan will know. Yeah. And it's, you know, we've talked about this before, people that we've known that have had these emotional conversions, and then as soon as something difficult comes up, that's it. It's yeah. over. And again, it's partially because we don't do that follow-up, and that's a different topic. But again, it's just know what you're doing yes. and why you're doing it and what you're committing to. Yeah. Because it is. It's war. It, it's on at that point. Yeah. Because life is going to come at you fast, and it's going to come at you hard, and it's not going to be fun, yeah. necessarily, at times. Well, and, and it breaks my heart, because a buddy of mine, we, we lifeguarded at, uh, it was a church camp, and I forgot which one it was, but being able to be a part of these these emotional experiences where these kids, I, I remember this this one kid, he just, he was, dude, he was, he broke down, and he was crying, and I mean, he was saying all the right things, and I, I like, I see, I see it. And I, I saw it, and I, I knew what was going on. And in my my mind, in my heart, I'm like, I'm praying for this kid because as soon as he leaves, everything's dropped off. You know, it, it's great. It's great for this weekend. But then who's following up right. after that? And and that's not taking all the responsibility off of him. It, he need, well, being able to reach out. but And it's not discounting emotion altogether. Right. Because, of course, we I said this earlier. We're to be broken over our sin, right. broken over our need for a savior. Yeah, it is absolutely an emotional moment when you realize, oh wow, <laughs> we are worms, right? right? Like we we understand our place in this world and where we are and who he is and who we're not. Right. That absolutely is emotional. Right. But and it's like th- this was this was before I was married. This is like eight years, eight nine years ago, and uh, I. I follow him on Facebook and Instagram, and he does not live a life for yeah. Christ. And he, and I see it. And it's like, could it have changed because of someone reaching out and actually hounding him saying, the world is coming after you. Satan is coming after you. You need to stand firm. As I we just got to pray for him. Yeah. So, All right, guys. Any closing thoughts to wrap up the day? Any, any encouraging words? Encouraging words? If you are a believer and have not been baptized, ask yourself why not, and and pray about it. Yeah. And we we will, I'll be praying for you guys and to make that decision because it is it is a very important decision and it it is a command. Well, thanks guys for listening. Do us a favor, jump on Facebook, Instagram, like us, subscribe on podcast all your podcast apps. Give us a five star review specifically on Apple. We got one more. By the way, hey. one more five-star review. Uh, we also want to get to 100 followers on Facebook. So share our posts, share our episodes, share our page, invite people to our page. We'd like to get to 100, and we'll do something cool f- as a celebration of getting to 100 followers. Push me down a staircase of 100 stairs. And we'll yeah, and we'll not one for one for each follower, one for each follower. Yeah. So, um, Carter, man, I'm so happy you were back on this Amen. week, and uh, I hope you're able to join us even if it's not every week hope you're able to join us a lot of weeks yes or every week no pressure you're still part of the the i mean to be fair the first time i mean the first time we weren't mad at you and there was no disagreements and whatever but like the second time you blow i mean maybe maybe i'll be like all right dude that's it like next week it's just gonna be me yeah yeah anyway (laughs) (laughs) so um 
That's no, but seriously though, here. honestly, like I say that in joking, like no pressure, but we, I'm so happy you're on here today and I cannot wait for where this goes. Mm-hmm. Um, next week, we're going to dive into some more verses taken out of context. We did that a while back. We each grabbed a few verses and, and explained how they're taken and what they really, how they really should be taken. Yeah. We're going to do that again. Have some fun with that because those are always ones that kind of get us in trouble, I think. Oh yeah. Uh, for sure. But we, we enjoy that. But We'll do that next week. That'll be our uh, 55th episode, right? Yeah. So, but again, thank you guys. Reach out to us if you have any questions, comments, concerns, rebuttals. We will be glad to discuss them with you. We we did that with some of the biblical womanhood uh, topics. Mm-hmm. We, we had a few discussions with some people about that. So yeah. thank you all for doing that and reaching out. Continue to do so. We will see you all next week. Same bat time, same bat channel. Until then, stay rooted. Oh, wait, hang on. <laughs> I was we gotta drinking. Re- we got to do the whole re- redo. The we're going to start that over. Same bat channel. Yeah, everything. Okay. okay. Rewind. You're not going to keep <laughs> in me drinking while saying stay rooted? I mean, I might. You don't know. But we will see you guys next week. In the meantime, stay, stay rooted. rooted. <laughs>